Welcome into the Print Fest DFS podcast. This is episode four. We're going to be breaking down our week seven cash game lineups. I'm your host, Justin Rue, uh, alongside Scott Bandy. And it was a very high scoring week. As you can see, we scored uh, 199 and 194. What a ridiculous week. A lot of the chalk absolutely smashed. Devontae Adams, we did not have him. Uh, we, we survived it. Uh, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I barely got there. I, I just barely got over the line to cash. I believe in double ups, line to cash was right around once 197, uh, depending what you're looking at. And in tournaments, it's actually funny. Tournaments were line to cash was right around 185, right around that range. 185, around 190, maybe a little higher stakes. Um, and that's just for the reason that in cash games, the chalk plays are much higher owned. If you look at the double ups, uh, the $25 single entry double up, the big one, uh, Kyler Murray is like right up around like 56% owned. Alvin Kamara, 85%. Jamal Williams, 70%. Like all the best plays are, you know, Terry McLaurin, 60%. These, these chalk best plays, they all went off. And when the chalk goes off like that, they're much higher owned in cash. So it's going to push the cash line much higher in double ups as compared to tournaments we see Kyler around 18%, Kamara 58%. We see McLaurin down at 31%, which is high for tournaments, but not nearly as high as, as the chalk can get in cash. So funny little uh, discrepancy there between cash and, and tournaments in this week. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's pretty normal. I mean, because when you're talking about tournaments, you're really trying to um, spread your exposure around. You don't want to be, you want to have too much exposure to one or two players because it really limits it limits your your ability to actually get there, right? Because you're going to run yourself too thin if you were to play something like, you know, 55, 60% Kyler in tournaments. If he doesn't get there, those lineups just simply aren't going to get there, right? But in cash games, you're really focusing on playing the best plays. You're playing one lineup. Um, and in a week like this, when all uh, seemingly every chalky, chalky guy hit, I mean, it's definitely – a little bit different than what we're usually seeing, but it's not at all shocking based on uh, the production you saw. Yeah. So going through our lineups, we both had Kyler Murray. Uh, we talked about him on Friday night. Uh, he was our windmill play. He absolutely smashed. He had 360 passing yards. So he got the bonus. He got you 67 rushing yards. He got your rushing touchdown. Uh, he threw three touchdowns. It, it, the game script here was pristine. It was a great game too. Went to overtime. Uh, Absolute smash, 41 points, obviously higher than we expected, but definitely not unexpected, definitely within his range. Yeah, um, we talked about it on the Friday night pod, how he was just, this is probably the best spot he's going to have all year. And I mean, Kyler's, I don't think Kyler scored under 25 or so this year. And we knew in a, in a big game, I mean, Seattle, seemingly every game Seattle plays is nutty this year. It's always high scoring. Um, so we knew Seattle was going to show up. So, I mean, that, and that's a perfect game for, Kyle, for Kyler. He's, he's getting in the box every week on the ground, man. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, just an all-around smash uh, performance for Kyler. I mean, 41 points. Um, though it didn't really make it too much of a difference in cash games because, again, he was so highly owned. I mean – um, it didn't really give us that needed boost, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, there were there were a couple quarterbacks that really smashed this week as well. I mean, like I said, in cash, Kyler was like 58% owned, so it was like everybody had him anyway. But Justin Herbert went off. I mean, he also had 41 points. Joe Burrow had 38 points. We talked about him on Friday night. I mean, just some some really high-scoring quarterbacks. And I, I think really it's it's different from what we've seen in, in prior years where typically we would pay down a quarterback, probably stay within like the – the 5k to 5,500 range. But what we've been seeing this season is these quarterbacks that can run their ceiling is just absolutely unlocked. So sometimes paying up for these, these higher priced quarterbacks that can run like Kyler, like Lamar, like Russ, I mean, like Josh Allen, it's, it's these guys just have such higher ceilings that these guys who can't run these statues quarterbacks, like big Ben and Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford, they just can't get there. They cannot reach the same kind of ceiling that someone like Kyler Murray can reach. Um, just because they would have to throw like five touchdowns uh, and throw for 400 yards just to get there. So like we saw Tom Brady this week, Tom Brady scored 40 points. Yeah. Well, he had a rushing touchdown. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're not gonna, and he had four passing touchdowns at 369 yards. So every, I mean, Tom Brady's not, not a rushing quarterback, but I mean, you understand what I'm saying that you need the rushing ability to, to really unlock uh, your quarterback ceiling. Yeah, and the thing about the quarterback ceiling that we're seeing this year is that guys are hitting that ceiling more often than not so far, right? I mean, Russ, Kyler, even Lamar with, with having a worse season than last year, a lot these guys are hitting, you know, 30 points on a weekend, week out basis seemingly, whereas last year it was more like that 20 to 25 range. But now that's, that's seemingly Kyler's four is 25 this year, right? Yeah. Same with Russ and – and so it makes it hard when you pay down. Like, I loved Burrow. Uh, I didn't think he was going to hit a 38-burger, right? But I'd say a 30-burger for Joe Burrow is – I think you could argue that's like a 90th percentile outcome for him, whereas a 30-burger for Kyler is, what, like a 50th percentile outcome at this point? I mean, he's his floor is literally 25 with as much as he, run, as he is running this year. I mean, he is literally Lamar of 2019. Yeah, he's really solid. So – no regrets on Kyler at all. He he was locked in and played for us all week, and and he definitely delivered. So at running back, we both played Kamara, Jamal Williams, and Cream Hunt, and uh, we talked about this on Friday night. Is that playing two of these value running backs is is really it's not my style, and I know a lot of people did that this week. A lot of people played uh, their their optimal lineups had um, Geo and Jamal with Kamara in there. And from my experience, playing two of these value running backs, uh, is, it gets really thin um, because I believe we, we, we just overproject these these guys that are priced so low. And I just – I struggle to pay down for these guys that are going to get like 15 touches when the running back position is so important. And someone like Kareem Hunt, it, you know he's going to get at least 20 touches with, with upside for 25-plus in, in a prime matchup against Cincinnati. At 6,800, I think that was hard to fade. Um, so, yeah, Gio was fine. He was a fine play. But I, I think that sacrificing a running back spot uh, just to get another receiver uh, is wrong, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think it was – I totally agree with you on this on this point. I think it was optimal to play either Jamal or Gio. Um, but when you play both of them, I really think it runs you thin. Yes, you can pay up elsewhere. But I mean, your bell, your three bell cow spots is is really your foundation of any cash game lineup week in week out. And I mean, here's the thing, right? If you're going to play Jamal and Geo, 
there's there's so much that could go wrong with both of those plays. With with Jamal, I mean, who knows if he's really going to get the workhorse um, the workhorse uh, usage like Aaron Jones been getting. I mean, AJ Dillon was a second round pick, and yeah, they haven't used him much, but who's to say that AJ Dillon wasn't going to get short yardage and goal line? You know what I mean? Um, and on the other side. Um, Geo, who's to say that he was going to get that bell cow usage? And at, and at this point, we've also seen that Geo is just not Geo anymore, right? He's not very good. He doesn't have any juice left. And for most of that game, he was bad. But then again, who was to say that, you know, we weren't going to see a 60-40 split with him and Travion or something like that? And, I mean, even and Geo got that luck box receiving touchdown on fourth down, which was highly tilting. Um, but I, I just think there's too much to go wrong when you're playing two of them. Whereas with Kareem Hunt, I think he played like 90% of the snaps. And, and you, you see that coming. You're not afraid of Dearness Johnson. Um, it's so much safer with the same amount of upside. And, and it's not like Hunt was at, at an egregious price tag either. 6,800 was absolutely fine. Uh, we knew we know Cincinnati sucks against the running back. We knew this game was going to be more, more than likely high, high scoring. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's too thin. You run yourself way too thin when you when you pay down for two guys where there's so much uncertainty. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the uncertainty uh, part is that really when we're paying down for these running backs, we are projecting what their workload is going to be. We don't have any kind of uh, history to look back on. Yeah, we have Geo. He's had four games over his career where he's filled in for mixing, but that hasn't happened since 2018. We don't know how much he has left. We don't know if they like Travion more. You know, we don't know if they like Smash AP Ryan. So, I mean, Geo ended up being fine. I just, I struggle to pay down for two value running backs. I did it earlier this year with Boston Scott and Antonio Gibson week one. Did not work out well. Um, these are obviously completely different spots, but I, I do still stand by that you need to prioritize your running back positions and not go for these value plays, even if they're really projecting well in a lot of projection systems. Uh, there's a lot of volatility in those projections. I'll say that. So moving on to wide receiver, uh, we both played Keenan Allen and we both played Terry McLaurin. Keenan Allen, I mean, we, we talked about him on, on Friday. He was just set up in such a good spot. The only thing I did mention was uh, maybe the chance that Jacksonville uh, couldn't fire back on the other side to keep the Chargers throwing, but Herbert ended up throwing 43 times and that's, that's higher than the average of what a, a typical uh, team has played against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's only had 32 attempts a game uh, against them pass attempts. So it was nice that Jacksonville scored 29 and, and kept the chargers throwing, which if that was going to happen, Keenan Allen was just going to absolutely smash. He didn't even score a touchdown. He scored 25 and a half points and got the bonus and, Keenan Allen was 6,200. It's just too cheap. And he's, he's too cheap again next week to be same price. I mean, going into Sunday morning, this was him and him and Terry were the two guys that I really didn't really feel all that comfortable leaving out of my lineup. So I really tried to prioritize finding a way to get both of them in. And, and Terry was, Terry was not even a decision point. He was in and he was, that's all there was to it. Keenan Allen, I saw the upside. I mean, he's had a, a massive target share with, with uh, Justin Herbert since he's taken over. Uh, Jacksonville's getting pummeled through the air every single week. Um, and and he, he hit well. And you can even say we might've gotten a little bit unlucky with <laughs> with Herbert throwing touchdowns to Guyton and Virgil Green and guys like this. I mean, 
Uh, and Mike Williams didn't even really get involved in this game at all. But, um, I mean, 10 for 125, you hit the bonus, 25 points. I mean, you can't be mad about that. Um, I think it was good price process. He was, I thought he was a little bit underpriced as well for the usage he'd be seeing the last month or so. Yeah. Um, sure. He should be 7K. He shouldn't be 6,200. Yeah. And then, I mean, talking about Terry McLaurin, um, again, X receivers against Dallas. I mean, just lock him in, man. I mean, we talked about he had a higher than a 40% air yard market share for his team. Um, there's no one else there, right? You got Sims and, and Logan Thomas actually hit this week, right? Um, but, I mean, Terry McLaurin was as safe as it got this year. He was one of the highest projected receivers on the board, regardless of price. And the $5,800 price tag was just – it was a blatant misprice by DraftKings. Um, I thought, personally, he should have been in 100% of lineups and gash. Um, but, again, he got there, too. I mean, seven for 90 and a tutty. He actually should have had two touchdowns in this game, too. Yeah, that game, yeah. He, he was down at the one – at, like, the one foot line. But, I mean, <laughs> they, they originally called it a touchdown. They took it back. He didn't have 11 targets. I mean, if you didn't play Terry McLaurin at 5,800, I really think you should reevaluate your process. I, I think that that was wrong not to play Terry McLaurin. And I don't think anyone's going to debate on that. So – at our last wide receiver position, uh, I, I ended up playing Kenny Galladay. I mean, I, I talked about – I don't think we talked about him on the Friday night uh, pod, but Kenny Galladay, 6,700. He was against Atlanta. Atlanta really struggled with the deep ball. Kenny Galladay, pretty much all he gets is deep balls. He's an alpha receiver. I thought that game was going to be really back and forth. Ended up being a little lower scoring than I thought. But in the dome, alpha receiver against Atlanta in a projected shootout, the over-under was 55 or so, might have been 56. I expected it to be higher scoring. It wasn't. He still got there. He went six for, for 114. So he got the bonus, didn't get into the box, still scored 20.4. At 6,700, he was perfectly fine there for me. Um, I think the biggest thing was that, that really hurt us was not having uh, any piece of Devontae Adams when he was off for 13 for 196 and two on 16 targets against Houston. That's really what did us in. Um, yeah, we still end up being okay uh, because the rest of our plays were, were pretty solid. But 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 not having Devontae Adams in there really hurt. I mean, it, it's it's brutal. You score 199 points and you and you're not absolutely smashing. Uh, it's just what happens when when Geo scores 20 and everyone who played Geo also played Devontae Adams. So um, I'm sure you have some some tilt on uh, DK Metcalf. You want to air your grievances. Uh, yeah, so this the, we're going to rename the show Tilt Fest DFS for now. <laughs> I am about to go on a massive rant about DK Metcalf. Um, there are a lot of lessons learned here, right? Um, all day I've been going through the process on DK Metcalf, and while I don't think it was good process, I'm not totally sure it was terrible. I think it was probably somewhere in the middle. What I do know is it was not optimal, okay? Now, Sunday morning, I did a lot more tinkering than I should have. Um, I got off of Kelsey with the news of the uh, with the snow news and the total moving down. Uh, and I just in general, I like to punt tight end. I thought Harrison Bryant actually set up pretty well in that spot after we got the Hooper news mid last week. Um, so that opened up salary to get three alphas. And I knew I was playing Keenan Allen and McLaren. But the problem was, I actually thought that Galladay was an objectively better play than DK Metcalf. 
but playing Galladay with Harrison Bryant gave me $500 in salary left over. And that really started to get into my head because I didn't just want to leave that. And I didn't really want to move up to Njoku off of Bryant. And so up until about a half hour into lock, I was sitting here tinkering and tinkering and tinkering to see what I could do to use this 500 because I wasn't coming off any of the running backs and I wasn't coming off uh, McLaurin and Allen. So it, I really, what I should have done is just played Galladay, just went with who I believed was the better play and left that money off the table, right? But I did not. I ended up playing Metcalf. And I mean, to be fair, Metcalf was in a game total of 57, Sunday night hammer spot. He's been dominant in terms of red zone equity. He's been Russ's favorite target consistently this year. Um, I mean, he's smashing every game he's played. He hasn't had less than 90 yards going into this game. It was, it was a shootout spot. I mean, so he was fine, right? But, and here's where my rant comes in. When I'm heading in to this Sunday night game and I'm like 15 points below the line of cash, I'm feeling good. I'm like, okay, I still have Kyler. I know everyone has Kyler, but I don't think DK Metcalf is going to be very highly owned. And I think he was between somewhere between 10 and 25% in double ups and 50-50s, depending on which contest I was looking at. So there's a little bit of variance there, but I knew that every little point that Metcalf did was going to inch me closer and closer to the money line. In combination with Kyler, I felt great about that, right? What I didn't realize is that Tyler Lockett was going to have a career game and tilt my face off for four hours straight. Now, it would have been one thing if DK Metcalf just would have not had a great game. I could live with that, right? If, if DK just shits the bed or whatever, I can live with that. You're, no one's going to go out and smash every game, no matter how good the spot is. But watching Tyler Lockett put up 15 for 203 and repeatedly just crush my, <laughs> just crush my hopes and dreams tilted me to my core. And I don't think I'm going to recover from this. I, I literally have never been so tilted. I, I, mean, I remember when the Seahawks played the Cowboys week two or whatever it was, and everyone was tilted because Metcalf dropped that touchdown, but he still went four for 110 and one. People thought that Tyler Lockett game was tilting. No, 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 no. This is, it literally pains me to talk about this right now. I, I still can't even believe that this happened. Tyler Lockett outscored DK Metcalf by 52 DraftKings points. 52 DraftKings points. Uh, yeah. And I lost money. Got no food. Got no job. <laughs> My pet's heads are falling off. I can't, I can't afford to adopt the dog anymore. Uh, and here's what else. In, in combination with, with Metcalf just doing nothing while Lockett just feasts. This, I didn't feel good about the, the Gio and Jamal play that led to the Devontae Adams play with Traquan, right? Yeah. And, and I was already tilted about the Gio lockbox touchdown, and I didn't think Traquan was all that chalky, or I didn't think he was going to be all that chalky, nor did I think he was that great of a play, especially at that price point with Deontay. Deontay Johnson was far and away a better play at that price point. But but knowing that I was already close to dead going into this game because 
that lineup was so highly earned and props to people who played that because it hit, right? That made this DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett tilt so much worse. Yeah. And I don't know how long this is going to take me to recover. Um, like I said, if, if Lockett wouldn't have had the best game of his career, wouldn't be that tilting. But, man, to outscore DK Metcalf by 52 points. <laughs> and I was three to five points off the line of cash. I mean, if Metcalf just could have gotten me, like, nine points. I mean, yeah. I mean, geez, Louise, I'm done talking about this. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to have a stroke. Yeah. I mean. Especially the holding on that, like, 50 oh, yards to win the game. Oh, my God. I forgot to bring that up. The game goes to overtime. I see a little screen pass to DK, runs free for like a 50-yard touchdown, and David Moore, David hold. Moore with the holding call. I saw this touchdown, and I literally screeched out loud. <laughs> I, was down, I was like, holy crap, I just smashed on the last play of the game. And then yep. the holding call, and Metcalf doesn't touch the ball again in the game. And, I mean, that just dug the dagger in my back even harder. I mean, holy yeah. crap, dude. I mean, so a tight end. Is moral story is I should have just went with my gut pregame and played Galladay, but the money got in my head. And lesson learned is I'm not tinkering that close to lock anymore because it just stresses me out. Um, I I start to lose the process that got me to where I was the whole week, right? And I felt pretty good. And if I would have just stayed on the couple of lineups that I liked and chose one of them, I would have made money. But instead, I lost money. So. Lessons learned, right? Now you're poor. <laughs> so I played – we both played uh, the punt Browns tight ends. Harrison Bryant ended up being a much better play. He he ran uh, – I think he ran 18 routes to 13 for Njoku. Neither of them ran very many routes. Um, but both end up getting there. I mean, Harrison Bryant ran hot in the sun, get, getting in the box twice, 56 yards on four receptions. 21.6 points, and Njoku ended up getting the box as well. He only had two receptions uh, for 20 yards and a touchdown. So we both ran hot as hell at tight end uh, to get Njoku and Harrison Bryant. They were both pretty low, and they were right around like 10% or so uh, in, in double ups. So I, think I, was, I was fine punting it off. I think so many people just played Kelsey. They played uh, Hunter Henry, played Jared Cook. Yeah, I mean, I thought Kelsey was a scary fade, but I thought that what it got me in – you know, three alpha receivers. I thought it, at the end of the day, it was worth it. Punting tight end has worked for me most of this year. And to be honest, I've ran a lot hotter than I probably should have with Jordan Reed, <laughs> Trey Burton. Uh, yeah. yeah. There was someone else that I'm, uh, that I'm not remembering at the moment. But, yeah, I mean, when Harrison Bryant called his second touchdown, I could I, I thought the day was over for me. I thought I was just absolutely printing. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, you know, Devontae Adams happens, Tyler Lockett happens, you know. And... Yeah. So we both ended up playing Washington defense. They scored 17 points at 2,500. Total smash. I think, you know, we're always looking to punt off defense. Uh, we don't even talk about defense on the Friday Night Pod. Maybe we will. It's just throwing our, our punt defense. But defense is so – it, 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 it's so hard to project. You rather just punt it off, and they were twenty five hundred. Highly variant. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, and they were at home against against Dallas, who doesn't even have an offensive line anymore. They they have Andy Dalton back there. They were just a total smash. 
if you didn't play Washington, man, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, the only alternative, in my opinion, to Washington was if you just wanted to go all the way to the bottom with the Jets. Yeah, and I'm always – I mean, and I thought about doing that. I, I fiddled around with it to see what it would open up. But I, at the end of the day, I thought Washington was just too good to fade. Yeah. Um, like you said, Dallas, the, the offensive line is just decimated. Andy Dalton sucks. I mean, <laughs> Washington was at home. I didn't think it would be this bad of a trouncing, but, I mean, <laughs> it got us there. Yeah, so at the end of the day, we really – I mean, yeah, Metcalf not doing anything for you pretty much – uh, ruined your day, but really what, what put us in the coffin was was not having Devontae Adams. He was right around 45, 50% owned in double ups, and he scored 47 points. And the way people sacrificed to get there was by playing Geo instead of Hunt, and Geo scored the same amount as Hunt. So, you know. That's a point, point swing right there. Yeah, so that's, that's just going to be it. You know, all of our plays, uh, except for Metcalf for you, uh, really smashed. I mean, basically hit three X, four X on a lot of them. Um, so, you know, I end up scoring 199.4. I end up winning uh, right around 55% of my head to head. So pretty much a break even uh, week in, in head to heads. I did end up just getting every line to cash and double up. So um, it ended up being a profitable day for me. Uh, what did you end up finishing with? Yeah. So I actually ended up winning 43% of my head to heads. Um, 50-50s and double-ups, I noticed there was a lot of variance between the line of cash in some of these games. Some of them I hit. Some of them I didn't even come close to hitting. Um, so it was just one of those weird days uh, with, with variance from contest to contest. But I think I won about probably about 40 – I cashed in probably 40 to 45% of, of my double-ups and 50-50s. So at the end of the day, I lost a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, I'll learn from this Metcalf play. But – all in all, I'm really happy with my process with this, um, with with the exception of Metcalf, of course. But, uh, I mean, you live and you learn. You can't win them all. I mean, I've profited five out of seven weeks. So, I mean, just stick to the process, keep grinding, and, I mean, I think it'll all work out. Hmm. So that's going to do it for, uh, for our Week 7 recap. We'll be back on Friday for the Week 8 breakdown. Until then, good luck, everybody. See you guys.